Assalamu alaikum everyone. Welcome to the Safi Bros podcast. Another amazing recording with an amazing brother. Wa alaikum salam. Ruben. How are you brothers? Assalamu alaikum. Let me introduce Ruben inshallah. Bismillah. Ruben is a videographer who owns a video production house, mashallah, who's been in the game for what, more than 20 years, I'd say. It has, yeah. SubhanAllah. And... Uh, I'd say I'll be one of his first videos he's ever done. Yep, was all love here after. I got him off video after he recorded my wedding. Subhanallah. And, um, and yours, you both? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Subhanallah. So, yeah, Ruben has done a few productions, mashallah. Uh, he's recorded stuff nationally and internationally. Inshallah. And uh, also thought, known yeah. as Abu Bakr. We're gonna and sure. Rabia and Rabi. <laughs> AKA. And Kaz. <laughs> Whitey. Yeah, yeah. Or K, hey, you, I'll answer to anything, to be honest. <laughs> well, welcome to the Safi Brothers Jazakum podcast. Jazakumullah khair for having me. It's, a, it's What a professional setup you have here as a fellow cinematographer. Um, <laughs> I'll just look at each of the angles uh, one by one. Uh, very, uh, mashallah, boys. Uh, well done. Uh, well, thanks to you. You've uh, had a big role in us doing this, undoubtedly. Uh, I came you. for the free food. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you came in, I think, these holders and a few little things that uh, we adjusted accordingly yeah, when you came and told us. But then what are you doing? <laughs> I never said that. I never said that. Oh, I, think, yeah, I think I we're was about fifty percent. We polite. got up to about sixty, seventy, and now, inshallah, we're about hundred. Oh, this is this Joe Rogan. Watch out! Is all I'm going to say. <laughs> hey, that's the way. Bismillah. So today's podcast, inshallah, is about success stories, as we have been recording. Success. All right. I'll see you later, boys. <laughs> uh, no, undoubtedly, brother, um, you are a successful brother to us, and a dear brother that, mashallah, has uh, been involved in a lot of things that we've been doing. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. So, love we take us through you know, your sort of success story, the way you see success, and um, run us through like your your journey. Your journey. Yeah. yeah. Look, it's um, it's an interesting one, I think. Uh, and having known you guys for so long, uh, obviously you've probably seen every step of the way. But I, I guess the first thing I always sort of think of is, what's my definition of success? Because success to a lot of people is fame, um, cash, you know, nice car, all those sort of things. But mm. for me, we've had all of them. Yeah, humbly I've got all that, but uh, <laughs> don't tell the ATO. <laughs> I've still found those old hundreds, so I can't get rid of them anymore, right? The paper ones. <laughs> um, but, but subhanAllah, you know, when you look at what the definition of, of success is, you know, then you can kind of, I guess, take that metric and say, you know, is that what I've achieved? And so for me, success is, yes, you know, you want a level of comfort in your life. You want to be able to provide for your family. You want to be able to do something that you love and make money. But I guess um, if you if you make a difference, if you're doing something that you th- feel adds value to the world, um, something that your kids are proud of, you know, like yeah, I look at my so. kids and I think to myself, if they're looking at me and they're proud of me, like I'm, that's successful for me. Absolutely. Because um, you want to, you know, it's, I think there's an old phrase, monkey see, monkey do, you know. Yeah, if they yeah. see you doing something where you give of your time or you might work for free but it's for a good cause, like that's worth its weight in gold. That's that's if you can get to that stage where you can do stuff for free. Like to me, that's successful. If everything you do is about the dollar, if everything you do is about the bottom line, like you're still chasing and that you haven't reached that level um, yet. But alhamdulillah, you know, we've been able to do um, you know documentaries. Every documentary we've done, we've self-funded. We've never oh, been paid. Um, we've always lost money. I guess is what I'm right, saying. We sure. have received some funding for things or whatever, but we've always exceeded that budget. And paid for it out of our own pocket because we believe in what we're we're producing. So, mm-hmm. to me, you know, I'd say I'm really, I guess, proud of the fact that you know I've been blessed to get to this level where I can do things you know that I want to do. I can pick and choose clients a little bit so that I can say I don't want to do stuff that is just for cash. I want to do stuff for companies that you know um, make a difference. So a lot of our clients are in the disability services, support services, education sort of um, area. Obviously, we do stuff for Ferrari and Lambo, and that, that's that's not a uh, bring up charity. Bring, bring, up, bring up the photo. Can we, can we, can we get the photo? Bring the photo. Yeah, oh, I mean, that's, there he is. That, that, that that's, a, that's a that's true a charity background. right there. Right? Was that uh, twenty years ago? <laughs> twenty years ago? No, I'm just wearing a cap. You can't see the grey hair. Um, but Subhanallah, I think I may have gone into Photoshop and, and just uh, degrade the beard. But um, yeah, I think I think true success is is when you're doing something you love, and you know. Uh, people that you love are kind of happy with what you're doing and proud of you, um, not just the cash side of things. But if yeah. you can do what you love and make money and, Allah, yeah. and you're doing something that makes you makes Allah happy with you, you know, in the eyes of Allah, if you're doing something um, that makes Allah happy with you, then, I mean, that's, that's true Allah, success. You started like 
you started doing what you love, it wasn't making you money because you were traveling around doing everyone's video recordings. Yeah. Look, I, st I actually started as a psychologist, right? So I studied psych at Melbourne Uni. Um, I wasn't a full qualified psychologist when I left. And then I got supervision post uni and did the sort of extra education. And I think I was just one of those people <clears throat> that I wasn't, I wasn't a go-getter. So I fell into these slots. So I sort of, I got the score at high school to go to uni. So I was like, oh, well, I better go to uni. And then I picked arts, like, which is basically a piece of toilet paper, right? <laughs> no offense to any people with an arts degree. It's, it's fantastic to go to uni, but an arts degree doesn't lead to a job straight away. It's not a, a, a sort of career Pathway. path. You'd have to, you know, specialize. So luckily I did um, psych and then um, I got into the field, started working. And then because of the work, I was able to do more education and get into it. But I didn't actually love it. I wasn't, um, I mean, I love talking to people. I love the interaction with people. I loved working with people. Um, so I worked directly with people with disabilities and mental illness. And I really enjoyed that, the people, the clients. Until one day um, someone tried to kill me on the job. <laughs> so, oh, no. And it wasn't anything to do with me. It was anyone who'd walked into this client that day was getting attacked. Yes, um, and I think my words were, how are you going today? And then I got like stabbed with a pencil, thrown wow. through a wall. Uh, and I'm 120 kilos, six foot five. So it was just like a movie and I'm getting picked up off the ground. My legs are doing this, right? Wow. Um, it was frightening. Um, and I've never looked at anyone the same way since that day. Like if someone's five foot or 10 foot, like to me, everybody has the capability of going crazy. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In my mind, I'm like, you just don't know what people are capable of. So that day taught me a very valuable lesson. And, um, you know, that idea of it's possible to love something that's, that's bad for you and hate something that's good for you. Like I hated that day, but that day was a catalyst for me to start my business because the very next day I took a cup. I think I got, had some leave. They gave me some, I don't know what they called it at the time, but it was basically like adrenaline leave because I was still shaking for days. And um, my wife was the one that said, I don't know if this is the career path for you. <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, well, I mean, what am I going to do though? I went to uni, you know, that idea of you've, you've invested so much of your life in this career path. I can't change now. I was like 25 years old or something. And um, subhanAllah, she goes, you've always loved movies. You always annoy me when we watch movies, right? Where you're de you know, deconstructing the scene and talking about where the lighting's coming from and look how they did that. That cut was wrong. The guy was looking the other way when the cut, you know, I, I just annoyed the hell out of her. And she said to me, why don't you buy a camera wow. and, you know, a computer and work out what we can do from there. And subhanAllah, we, we went into the city, I think it was like a day or two later and bought a camera, bought a computer. It was $27,000. I remember the amount exactly because I had to borrow it from my sister. Wow. And I remember when my wife saw the price of these things, she's like, are you sure you don't like psychology? <laughs> are you sure you don't want to stay in the field? Um, oh, you know, God. but yeah, then we bought the camera and the computer and, uh, and, and look, there was no YouTube. This is going to freak viewers out, right? No YouTube, no Google, very limited sort of internet search. So I was reading manuals that were like this thick. I had to edit yeah. and on a screen this big, not two screens, three screens like we have today, a little crappy, you know, those big box yes, CRT monitors. The amount of times I picked that monitor up and wanted to throw it through the window, you wouldn't understand. It was, it was so frustrating. But yes, you were one of the first um, things I shot. I, I shot, originally I got in, it's like not what you know, it's who you know. So I got into Ford Motor Company and I was doing all of Ford's in-house broadcasts. So they actually had a channel called Ford Star. Okay. So it was like almost like a YouTube channel and their channel would be beamed to every dealership in Australia. So we were doing the videos for that in-house. So we would do it in their studio, just actually literally across the road from here. Oh, wow. And um, so that's where I started. And for a year I did it with them and then uh, your wedding came up and, oh, uh, oh. and it was kind of almost serendipitous because I, I never had an intention of getting into weddings and people sort of look down on weddings, you know, like yeah, as yeah. if, I don't think Martin Scorsese shot a lot of weddings, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I really don't know Chris Nolan did his first <laughs> wedding in Levos. <laughs> but subhanAllah, weddings taught me so much, right? It's like guerrilla filmmaking, you know, you're, you're dealing with a whole bunch of personalities stressed people like a stressed bride is you know that if you can handle a stressed bride right <laughs> I, I remember i remember well i remember when you shot our video for our wedding and I, I was thinking subhanallah how much this human being made it comfortable especially for my wife you know what i mean she yeah, was stressed yeah. how she looked mm. and it's just your personality was so perfect for us to be able to be comfortable so we we didn't see the stresses of the day on us you know Imagine right. like you did an awesome video. I had a ball at your wedding. I had a ball at your wedding. I remember those days specifically. I remember running around you in circles with the, the low go. shutter speed. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember these things, right? And, 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 and those things you, you said to me. I was like, that, yeah. that looks pretty good, bro. Yeah, You're all right at this, eh? And subhanAllah, so, so the, the, you know, 
for anyone who's thinking about, oh, I need to change. And I've said this to people who are in a career or in a, a job that they're not necessarily, I'm not really passionate about this. I don't, mm. It's not too late to change. Never too late it's not too late to change. Never. My wife has just changed her career path at 45 years old, right? Two years ago, she's 47 now. And subhanAllah, she's starting, she started a huge company. Um, it's never too late if you can do it at 45, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I did it at 25, 26, and I thought I was too old at that time. And you know, little did I know we'd be doing another one uh, 20 years later. So subhanAllah, I remember weddings taught me crowd control, um, managing difficult personalities, but then you know, using a camera in, in challenging light situations, in um, wow. rain, wind, a tram coming down the middle of the road, you get trying to get the shot, you know, all these different things that you can kind of manage. And what I found wins over every skill I've ever had is that ability to get to know and make people comfortable with you straight away. The connection. And that, that's it, the connection. That, that has been my greatest skill, that I've been able to say, I know what this person wants, I know how to make this person feel comfortable, and from that point onwards, it's a win-win because right. they're going to get a great video and I'm going to have an easier time making that great video yeah, for them. 100%. So it's like that, that has been a real skill that um, Allah blessed me with, and I know I've got plenty of challenges, but that's one that I've, um, I've really tried my best to hone. I, 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 remember, I can I testify to that, yeah, okay, knowing yeah, you for a long time. <laughs> I know you're a people's person, mashallah. Yeah, yeah. You can, you so can, it's like the videos can, are crap, but I just really make you feel good, so you, you let me off. No, nah, you, you can live an upper room. Definitely you can live an upper room. Mashallah, you know. But I just want to take you through when you first bought those equipment and, and, and putting yourself in a, in a debt pretty much. You, you obviously borrowed that. With my sister, yeah. yeah. Oh, we had some money. Like we weren't completely povo, right? No, no. I'm just saying. Um, I'm just but, saying that 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 leap of faith. You know what I mean? For well, I remember. Uh, I, I remember making istikhara a lot um, because I, at that stage I'd already been Muslim for seven years. So I became Muslim when I was 19, which is a really turbulent time because you're not really an adult. You can drive a car and you can have a beer and all these things that they say you know an adult can do, but your brain hasn't formed to the Ooh. point where you can make decisions that you know are going to affect you for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and your next generations and your, peop, your, your circle oh, of friends or whatever. And I don't think that comes until you're probably, honestly, I feel like it's in your 30s. Like I remember 33, you know those critical ages they talk about in Islam, 33, 40, 6, like these are the ages of the Prophet you know, in Jannah we're going to be 33. Yeah. He received revelation when? 40. When he was 40, right? When are we no longer Shabab? 40. Why are we still Shabab until 39? Why are we still youth, considered a, a youthful? Because at that age, it's like the penny drops, you know, you sort of go, you know what, now I sort of understand, I don't care what people think as much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I cared a lot when I was younger. So I made decisions based on what I thought other people wanted from me or saw me. That's a silly way to, to work, right? So I did that. And I remember removing myself as much as I possibly could about what am I, what do I care about other people? Do I care about, you know, failing? No, because I would rather be a has been than a never was. And that was what was running through my head. It's like, if you put your faith in Allah and you and it's not meant for you, then it wasn't meant for you. But at least you had a go. And if Allah didn't, uh, you know, I guess, you know, determine that you were going to be successful in that, you gave it a go. And there's things you learn along the way. So from being a psychologist or working in that field, I learned so much. I no longer do that, but I still carry that with me. Yeah, transitions. So, you know, you've, you've got all these kind of um, skills that are transferable anyway. So I'd never regretted any of the choices I made. And I think that's yeah, the yeah. thing. As a Muslim, you shouldn't regret never, no, because never. everything is a lesson. And Allah, Allah, nothing happens without the will of Allah, right? Yeah. So you're meant to be there. Yeah. Right now I'm meant to be here. This, this was happening whether we liked it or not, yeah, right? Yeah, you guys were going to start this show. I was going to drive here. I was going to eat that pie first, right? And then <laughs> my pie, uh, just giving a little bit of an uh, advertisement there, uh, open from 6 a.m., is it? Or? Five. 5 a.m. There you go for, the, for all you tradies and early risers. <laughs> you can have it before Fajr. <laughs> um, subhanAllah. So, so I think that, you know, I don't regret any of those. I kind of, part of me wishes that I had gone to film school when I was 18. Analyze that. And that I'd had some mentors. Because back then, I mentoring and things like that weren't big. At all. And, at and all. what you guys do at NAF is amazing, right? That wasn't around. Like, I just, there was no one you could hook up with. And, and I mean, hook up with might mean something different these days. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, tap into, maybe that means yeah, something yeah. different. Uh, connect with. I'll try that's and it, you edit that out, please, Lewis. <laughs> Pretty please. I've got to make sure that I'm not uh, saying some, you know, thing that the young generation's like, oh, I learned, I learned the other day from my daughter. It's like, he, he ate and left no crumbs, no cap. He's feeling mid, all these different sort of uh, things. Yeah. I'm like, what does that mean? But I, I learned them, so I know, I know what she's talking about. She's 15. So subhanAllah, coming along, you know, doing weddings, um, made a decision uh, when I, we had kids. My daughter was, I'd say she would have been five 
maybe six. She walked in because I used to leave for weddings. I used to do the Friday um, a Dumbo wedding, which is a Lebanese Dumbo uh, village. Saturday Italian wedding, the Sunday Macedonian or Greek, the, the Monday Mishmish uh, wedding, the Tuesday Vietnamese wedding. Sometimes I would be five days when everyone at, at the house was asleep when I left and when I came back. Can I ask you how you got so diverse with the community? Like, oh, it, honestly, people, honestly, it, was, it was serendipitous, right? Honestly, it was, it was weird. So let's say I did a wedding where, and because it, weddings are such that you meet a lot of people. So it was a lot of word of mouth. So, you know, at your wedding, let's say, for example, your best mate might have been Vietnamese. Yeah. But then you've got, you know, two other guys from your family or your brothers or whatever. That Vietnamese guy would then ring me and say, hey, my wedding's coming up wow. or my brother's wedding's coming up. And then from that wedding, he might have someone in his family that's, you know, wow, Macedonian. Wish, wish or, you know, so it would just, the connections would just flow because every weekend I was meeting 500 people. Wow. Do you know what I mean? And at each wedding sometimes, because back yeah. in the day, weddings were 500 people. You remember like yeah. you know, huge reception centers. Not like today. Today's marquee. Today's 100, 100, 200 is max. Yeah, max. Yeah. Restaurants, all these kind of warehouses. You're going to put a 500 wedding now. Bro, I, I did a thousand people wedding once. I did one where they came in in the car and the car did a burnout on the dance floor. <laughs> we're talking, the bride was sitting on top of the convertible. Like, it, was, it was crazy back in the day, right? It was yeah. insane. Uh, weddings were huge, right? Yeah, they were. Um, and so we got to a stage, I had like 15 staff at one stage, right? I had um, eight cameramen, I had four or five editors, I had, you know, people trying to sell the weddings, we had people doing advertising, it was crazy. Back then you advertised in the yellow pages. That's right. You advertised in- Talking uh, about that the other day, $50,000 for a whole page. Oh my God. Well, I think it was seven grand for us for like a, like a little block <laughs> listing that probably 10 others were on the page because yeah. like the page, those guys made money, right? But oh, what a business pages. to just not be, to be completely obsolete now. Yeah. It's oh, insane. It's obsolete. Way. The yellow pages comes now, it's that. Yeah. Used to be two volumes, A to K, L to Z, you know? Yeah. <laughs> SubhanAllah, now it's just firewood, right? <laughs> it's, just, it's something that holds it's the door amazing, open. Amazing, amazing. The changes. You've got to embrace the changes, right? And luckily, when I first started the business, so it was 1999. It was last millennia, right? So it <laughs> makes me feel old. Um, and we, it had just gone from analog to digital. So for anyone who doesn't know what that was, if you remember the old VHS tapes, the old audio tapes, that's analog. Digital was the little like mini tapes and then eventually the cards and, and um, sort of flash drives. So subhanAllah, we, uh, we came in right on that digital era. So we were offering a point of difference as well. So all the old school video oh, wow. guys were still given videotapes. Right, we were right, given right. DVDs. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, sorry, SV, SVCDs or yeah. something at first. Now, I, I, my, you gave me a VHS first. And then you, a VCD. And, and then you gave me a VCD, yeah. So it was like a... I, I had both. It was yeah, like I a had a disc proxy and, version of DVD. I was just it, on the verge with you. So it wasn't because DVD came out, I remember, in 2001 or something, yeah. right? And we bought a Mac specifically to be able to do So we went to Mac and I thought I was all cutting edge and all that. So Panalo, it was amazing. So yeah, we... Um, but some of the stuff I've seen at weddings, I tell you, there's been punch-ons, um, there's been cops, uh, there's been breakups at the wedding. Like I'm talking, the bride and groom split on the day. <laughs> wow, wow, you you would have seen some amazing stuff. So crazy, like, and and it gave me what it gave me was a beautiful overview of all the different cultures. Because by the end of it, we were doing weddings and like a lot for lots of different communities in the Lebanon. Because as you guys know, Lebanon Lebanon is not one mm. sort of full front community. It's not like saying I'm Italian. And Italians would agree too that there are different, like there's yeah, the Northerners, yeah. there's the that's Southerners, right, there's, right. you know, there's, there's, there's not, like Lebos, not like Lebos. But Lebos are like, man, they'll go, now that's a whole other village. There's another people, completely another people. Or well, how far is that village? 10 minutes. Oh, you're like, <laughs> that's like the way I drove here, right? 10 minutes Coburg to, to Gamble. It's completely different That's a different village. They're speaking with a different, you know, so different uh, so accent silent. and they won't even marry. Oh, you can't marry from them. They're, they're off their heads, right? <laughs> Bro, they're 10 minutes away. <laughs> like, what makes it's them so different? Anyway. So we would learn a lot about the cultural differences of, you know, Lebanese. My wife's Lebanese, so it was very handy to, to learn all these. Um, Macedonians, we started doing heaps of weddings within the Macedonian uh, sort of community as well. They're huge weddings, massive production. Um, started getting into sort of Vietnamese and Chinese weddings. So they do tea wow. ceremonies. Um, Indian weddings that go for three to five days where they have different ceremonial things each day. Not full yeah. days. Some of them are only like nights and things like that. Um, but in you know, standard Aussie sort of weddings and, and Italian weddings were pretty sort of standard Greek weddings had sort of different things, but we, I just learned and I loved the fact that there were so many similarities. Like the dancing was the one thing that freaked me out the most is everybody dances anti-clockwise. The Greeks go around anti-clockwise, Lebanese go around like the, 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 the wow, um, never noticed that. what do you call it? The dub key, right? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they do, you know, Lebanese always go the other way, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the, the kolo for Croatians, yeah. they'll spin. And it's the same way we do tawef. Uh, like it freaks me out. Like humans are almost programmed to go in a certain direction. You know, Iraqis do this special dance that goes around. And it's, it freaked me out that you would see these similarities between. So, and each, each week I would have like humanity, re, you know, my faith in humanity re, reinstated. 
because you would see sometimes this big burly bloke, not unlike you guys, crying because he's talking about his dad or his mum or, you know what I mean? Like the support they gave him to this for this wedding yeah. or he'd be t- a best man would be talking about his mate or a, a maid of honour be talking about her, her, the bride. And it was beautiful, beautiful speeches. You know, speeches, some of them yeah. are terrible. Absolutely woeful. The worst speeches I've ever heard in my life. I can't even say some of the things. <laughs> One of them, if I can give you a, a funny uh, story. One of the guys, best man, got up and started talking about this funny story about how they stole the work car and crashed it and then just set it on fire and said it got stolen. The boss for that work <laughs> was in the wedding and was one of the uh, oh, the no. guests. So he lost his job after. <laughs> and I was like, the best man just gave it up because the best man had left the job, but he'd forgotten that the groom was still in that job. Oh, my oh God. My God. Just talking about how they trashed the work car. Like I was like, man, that's crazy. But, you know, um, so you would see some amazing things. <laughs> and I was very thankful for that. But I got to a point where my daughter was six. This is what I was going with that. Um, and she looked at me and said, you work too much. At six years old, dad, you work too much. I never see you. And I remember I'd kiss her goodnight Thursday night. I'd see her awake, say Tuesday or Wednesday morning. Awake. So for four or five days, I'd been out from seven or eight in the morning till two in the morning. Because you, you, you don't just come home. You've got to come home, stack the tapes, charge the batteries, download whatever. You know what I mean? Nobody so, sees that. I nobody quit. nobody I sees quit that hardship of a business where you're away from your behind family. The scenes, behind, behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. How many days you're away. The sacrifice, right? The because sacrifice. What's, your most, what's the most valuable commodity? Oh. Time. Hmm. Right? So that's the thing that you really lose. You lose time. And so I, I said to myself, you know what? The money's great and, and I'm working hard. And I'm, I was probably working 100 and something hours a week at one stage. But money's not everything. And so I, I actually quit weddings. It took a year and a half to get out of them. I already had bookings for a year to two years I in advance. Those. Yeah. And so people were still asking me, can you do my wedding? Can you do my wedding? And I was just adamant, no, I'm not going to do any more weddings. No more. People offered me 10 grand to shoot a wedding, 10 wow. grand. And I thought they're, they're full of it, right? They were legit, 10 grand. I'll pay you 10 grand to do the wedding. I'll, no. I don't know. I've never, just, never been paid that much, you but, know? But just on that, like, it's amazing when you make a particular oath or you make a particular near that, that the test will come. For the sake of Allah, right? Yeah, yeah, for me, it was for my family. You know, exactly. And that's part of the, your faith. Your family is part of yeah, your yeah. faith. But it's amazing how those tests come, that you will be thrown um, an amount. Thrown a bone. <laughs> to see, you, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A meaty bone. Oh, my God, <laughs> that bone. Trying, you just oh, said was... you've never been offered that, you know what I'm trying to say, which Last is amazing. Time. One more time. You just, know what I mean? just, <laughs> just seven, seven more. Just a hundred more. <laughs> You're stacked. Look, to be honest with you, um, Allah. The first two years out of weddings were the worst two years of my business, including my first year of business. And a lot. Wow. The, f- the next two years were the worst because I hadn't, I hadn't laid the groundwork for the corporate work and for the advertising and all that stuff to really take off. And I'd, I'd relied too much on word of mouth. I was relying on people rather yeah. than doing it myself. So like in the interview video game, you were purely word of mouth, you know? Like yeah, absolutely. I've never I didn't seen advertise. a single advertiser ever. I, didn't have, I did initially. I did on Yellow Pages and, and I think a wedding magazine. I think I did like for two years or something. And that brought in so much work that by that stage, word of mouth was, I couldn't handle the, we were knocking back weddings. Mm. I mean, at one stage we had five weddings on one day. Wow. And, you know, quality suffers when you've got other cameramen who don't care as much or that yeah. you can't really mentor long enough to get the shot. So I started seeing a drop in quality and I just canned that. And we went back to just me and Frank, which was another cameraman who I still work with. I just worked with him on the weekend. So uh, sorry, I just worked with him yesterday. So, you know, someone like, um, someone who's sitting there thinking, I want to do something else, right? You've got to look at your intentions, right? At that time, really, I was, I was doing it at the end just for the cash. Like I was like, I love picking up a camera. I'll film anything. Stuff got a lot, not anything, but you know what I mean, right? And I just wanted to to do that all the time. But then I thought to myself, no, nah, I want to see my family. And I made, I made my sin- a sincere intention to do Hajj. I said, I want to do Hajj and I want to, I want to stop the weddings. Because the other thing too is like I'm around people who are getting pretty drunk. Um, you know, there were fights. There was, you know, people addressing yeah. provocatively, all that sort of stuff. I'm filming that and that yeah. my video is going to be used. Other people watching it. I just started feeling really terrible about, you know, what I was doing. What was, so, the, what was the joke I used to say? You, you, your eyes going into Jahannam, right? <laughs> you, better, you better pull the eye out, bro. Yeah, that, that was a factor. <laughs> you were getting under my skin, bro. <laughs> your right eye's going to Jahannam. He's like, which one's on the camera, bro? You better close it. <laughs> and funnily enough, I need glasses for this eye. <laughs> this one's sharp as this one needs glasses. You got me, bro. <laughs> but um, no, subhanAllah, I made that intention and uh, Allah accepted my intention and invited me to Hajj and I went to Hajj in 2016. Oh, I got Amazing. out of weddings in mid-2015, mm. so eight years ago. Went to Hajj in 2016, which was a life-changing um, uh, experience. 
And subhanAllah, those, those two years, uh, business was bad. Business was not great. And I stuck it out and I had another bone was thrown to me by, I think I talked about this at one of the camps, um, really lucrative contract was thrown to me and it was like, it's going to be this amount of money. And it was like almost more than I'd earned in a year for two months, three months work. Um, and I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement NDA and they sent it all through and it was restaurants that had pokies attached. And I was like, oh man, like, it's just no way I can, I can swing this into the halal. You know how you can sort yeah. of say, you know, maybe I can change them. Can I get I, a fatwa? I, I, I can, you know, I, I'm just going to film the restaurant. Uh, and it's, uh, the pokies are in the background. It's not my fault. They put the pokies in the yeah. background. I'm going to have to show these people going and smiling, you know, and, and make up, you know, stuff. Yeah. Because what a what a good videographer does is make something look better than it was. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, your wedding is going to look amazing, even though, you know, parts would have been really dull and, you know, everyone's just sitting around talking and eating them entree yeah. or whatever. You're a highlighter. You, you, you hi- make something. You highlight, you highlight yeah. the best parts. Exactly. Yeah, so you're doing that for advertising. You're doing that for everything you do. Um, yeah, subhanAllah, I couldn't swing it, but I, I turned the contract down. Um, and I remember, I remember it challenged me. It really challenged me. I, I got to say, like I, the, the cash was there and I was thinking to myself, oh, maybe, maybe shaitan got in my Especially ear. Especially when you need it. And I needed it, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's the, I think that's the biggest test, when you need. You know what I mean? Like subhanAllah, when I was speaking to Sheikh once, he said to me, when is a true act of charity given is when you truly need it. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? It's amazing. You taught me that recently. You know what I mean? It's amazing that, that, you know, you actually need that money and now you're giving it. It's it's a big It's like Abu Bakr and uh, and Amar, right? right. It's like, how much did Abu Bakr give? Oh, I gave more than him. He goes, but hang on a sec. Abu Bakr gave everything he had. You've only given half. It's like, whoa. (laughs) Just because you got more, that means more to him because it's everything he's got. And if you're down and out and you see someone who's, who's, you know, down and out and you give them money, but you needed it, like that's amazing. Because it's very easy to be a philanthropist. Yes. When you've got millions, yes. it's very easy to build something <laughs> yeah. or, and I don't want to, you know, talk, talk down on the people who do that because it's great that they do that. And we need those people. But the intention of that, like the person giving five bucks at the mosque might get more reward yes. than the person building a multi-million dollar mosque, you know, yes, 100%. because it, that five bucks is the last dollar they have. That multi-million thing is funded and they get a tax rebate and yeah. who knows, right? Yeah. And they still got 50 million in the so bank. It kind of like goes back to the story that I heard uh, in regards to like a prophetic stories where a a king who wanted to build a, you know, a masjid and he said, there isn't a single thing that I want that goes into this masjid other than my money, no wow. matter what. Wow. So anyway, the guy said, no problem, but I'll build it for you. And he kept on building and building and this old lady came and she goes, can I just buy one rock with my five, five gold dinar? And he goes, I can't because the king said, I have to only build it with your, his money. So she came back to him over and over. There's just one brick. It's all I want. It's all I have. It's my only five. You notice that, but I want to give it to this masjid. He accepted it and he put it in there as a brick and he put it. As far as the story goes, and afterwards, the king was looking at his masjid, you know, in the hereafter, and he was looking at it and he saw it, but he goes, there was a single brick that was shining unbelievably. Wow. And he goes, what's that thing that's shining? And then the guy who built it goes, that's the brick that that lady paid for. Wow. And it shows the difference how. A how single sadaqa yeah. Yeah. that is great will shine greater, right you know? But even though it's a complete masjid, yep. it's that little brick that will shine greater than everything in this whole masjid. And, and that's everything. That's a major point in terms of judging people, isn't it? Because you just don't know what people have gone through, what they've been through to arrive at the day that you meet them. And you might think, oh, that person's a bit of an idiot or whatever. But that might be the best version they can possibly be. And if you had gone through everything they'd gone through, you'd be an axe murderer, right? <laughs> At least they're still functioning. Right? Do, do you see that a lot in our community? Do you, like, well, I know Obviously, that, you know, coming to Islam, is a, you know. This is a tough one, right? When I first became Muslim, I thought anyone who had a beard or a hijab or whatever, mashallah, what a <laughs> yeah. beautiful person. And then, oh, my, there's like they're an angel on, on, on the ground, you know, on earth. And then you, you'd be at the supermarket, whacking the kid, and you'd be like, what the hell? And then just slamming the door on the kid's leg or whatever. You know? um, and I slowly got a taste of the, you know, the idea that sometimes, you know, the worst of us, uh, are, are, you know, the worst of humanity can be Muslim sometimes, yeah, which is terrible, yeah, right? And it's, we're told who are, who are going to occupy the lowest depths of heaven, uh, sorry, of hell? And who are going to occupy the highest uh, of, of heaven? It's going to be Muslims. People who said they were Muslims, which is, how bad is that? People who are going to be in a lowest level of hell are going to be Muslims because they knew the truth, right? Yes. So subhanAllah, I think, um, but this is the thing I've sort of learned to understand over the years too, is that like people who come from a war-torn country, a, a country that had civil war or hasn't had 
you know, the, the luxury of being a first world country for generations, they're going to come with some scars. Mm, they're going to yeah, come into so. wherever they are with some of that in their background. Now they may not have experienced it firsthand, but their parents are going to pass that on to them. Mm. I mean, we don't hate from birth, right? We learn to hate. And sometimes that's passed down. Like that idea of, I think they had a whole bunch of um, Jewish kids and Palestinian kids um, playing together. And then they revisited, you know, 10 years later, they did this crazy study and they hated each other's guts before that, but they were friendly to each other when they were like oh, five or six amazing. years old. And when they came back, they had all these preconceived ideas. These guys are the devil. These guys are terrorists. These guys, are whatever, hate each other. Mm. So I think you can carry that with you. Um, we, we live in an age now of a lot of information, a lot of, um, you know, we can learn and, and sort of identify a lot more. It used to be pushed under the carpet. People are encouraged to in their feelings and all this sort of stuff. Um, so, but yes, definitely within the community, I see people that I make a lot of excuses for <laughs> and, and not in a bad way. Like I can just say, Hey, I know this person's been through a lot more than I have. Yeah. Right. And I might look on the outside of the happier person and I, you say I brighten up a room, whatever, but I've been given a really beautiful childhood. Right. And I had, I didn't want anything. I grew up in the country. I played a lot with my you know friends and sister and all this sort of stuff. And how can I judge someone whose uh, parents are running from bombs and living in a bunker? You know, my wife, her sisters, some of her sisters are born in a bunker. That's a very different upbringing, right? Yeah, yeah. So how can I? Defines you. So so I think you have to sort of think about how does that person's lens influence the way they behave, the way they I say lens, you know, cameraman, um, <laughs> you know, they see it differently, yeah. They do. Two yeah. events, she can see that so event Muhammad, and say that's totally different what I what I saw in that event to what she saw. Muhammad, you said lens, Muhammad already said five uh, G. Yeah, yeah. We different. Uh, we think about it. It's yeah, the same thing, right? It's the same yeah. thing. It's just keeping your receptors open. To everything that's happening, things, yeah. it's the way you see things. Subhanallah. And some, and, and they said, like, there's a. I read this recently, and I hate the fact that this is true, right? But they say that a certain amount of trauma in your childhood, a good amount of trauma, actually generates people who excel. 100%. They actually become high achievers. Anyone who's had a really cushy, easy childhood, usually they're just pretty content, right? But which which is the successful one? Like, is that high achiever ever happy? Sometimes they never. The, the reason they reach those levels is because they they're never happy with where they got to. Whereas the person who's happy at this and content and spends time, you know, it's, you've got to sort of look at it that way too, I think, sometimes. Yeah, so. Undoubtedly. Kind of like, <laughs> like, you know, familiarizing myself with what you just said, like, I can go back, like, you know, we, we grew up in Lebanon, war-torn country. We left Lebanon yeah, in the in the mid-80s. Like, Cyprus. A, we went to Cyprus, oh, wow. you know, through what was going wrong. Like, I remember, like, standing, because we lived in front of a cemetery. Oh, wow. Right? So, what a reminder. And, and subhanAllah, I remember as a kid, I was nine, ten years old. I was standing at the balcony and I was looking and there was a de dead bodies all wrapped in white cloth. Maybe, I don't know, maybe a hundred long. And I was standing there and I was looking down at the, the dead bodies. And my mom comes out. She goes, what are you doing? And I said, look at the dead people, mom. Mom goes, why do you see the dead people? Like, I look, they're everywhere. She mm. goes, why do you see the dead people? Why can't you see people alive that are helping, that are moving? And subhanAllah, like, you know, as a mm. kid, seeing so many yeah, dead yeah. people could be traumatic. But subhanAllah, that wasn't traumatic for me because I, I was able to see it through a different lens. Yeah. The wow. lens of giving, of helping, of subhanAllah. Of 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 being there. You know what I mean? And isn't in the Ma'al Usri Usra. There is hardship and there's ease. You can see the hardship or you can see the ease. It's a mm. choice. And I learned that at a young age. So I started oh, yeah. seeing the ease. Wow. Because wow. you know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. I, I made that choice now. My when I hear my kids not parrot something I've said, but actually process it and then say it in their own words. Amazing. Back to me about, you know, hey, Bobo, don't, don't worry about that. You know, if Allah wanted that for you, it would have <laughs> happened, right? You know, like it's possible for you to love and hate. And I was like, whoa, that's stuff I say, right? Because when I tell them to go to bed, it's possible for you to hate something that's good for you. <laughs> now get to bed. <laughs> go! <laughs> no. um, but the idea is uh, that they start saying things back to you. Well, look, that's, tr that's true success. When you have passed on really positive messages to your kids, when you've been loving towards your kids and you create really good human beings, like to me, yeah. uh, you can take everything else and throw it out the, w the window. Yeah. That's success. Next generation better than the one before is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So my son the other day, we, we were driving somewhere and we were late and then we got held up by something. And then as we were driving, a car flew through the intersection. I'm talking 60 kilometers an hour, not, didn't even hit the brakes, through a red light. And we almost had this massive T-bone accident. I hit the brakes and the other person hit the brakes and this car just went flying through. And as the person went through, it was like a pea-plated girl. She went, didn't hit the brakes. Just her hand was on her mouth going, as she went through, like she'd realized, but it was like, you know, it's people just sort of let go of everything, right? And, I, and my son turned to me, he goes, you see, because we were a little bit later, 
we just missed that car accident, right? And Allah it was like, Allah. subhanAllah, son. Like, that was amazing. I was about to say that. <laughs> but you beat me was, to the punch. No, because I was stressing a bit. We had to get to some place on time and something held us up. But it was like, if we didn't get held up, we'd, be, we'd have been a few seconds um, ahead and been wiped oh, out. Man. So sometimes if you, it's the way you look at things, right? Yeah. Because everything that happens is an opportunity to learn and even success. Sometimes success is bad for you. Sometimes a lot of cash. I've seen people. I've seen it time and time again. Really, really good people. They get a bit of cash and it totally changes them. Yeah. Like they become arrogant. Start saying little comments. You think, man, I never thought you would have said something like that, you know? Yeah. And it's disappointing because it's just money. You can't yeah. take it with you. I mean, or they cut corners. Yeah. Yeah, subhanAllah. Or they bag people. Like you, you actually, you're, you're accumulating a lot of sins for this, you know, yeah. because, and you've been given a blessing. You know, what are you doing yeah, with yeah, it? Yeah. It's an manner. It is. It's a responsibility. Yeah. It's, it's, an it's, it's a big responsibility. And That's it's a tough one, right? So I'm happy to be tested. Bring more. No, no, I'm just kidding. It's terrible thing to say. There's a beauty to test. There's a beauty. There is. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in Allah ma'asabirin. Really, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with the patient. And, and, and that, that's, that's the beauty. There's, there's a fruit. There's a fruit. Absolutely. Look, look, like you said, um, anything that's worth doing doesn't happen overnight. Anything that is beneficial is going to be hard work. You know, if, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. All these phrases make sense when you go through it. Right? And sometimes you've got to be taught that lesson because yeah. you can be told it, you can read about it, you go through it, trust me, you know about it. <laughs> That's a very different – like my wife and I, we um, – so my kids are 15 and 12 and we've been married for 25 years. Now, if you do the maths, that's 10 years of marriage before we had kids. Now, you can imagine having Lebanese in-laws – where is the grandchild? <laughs> Why haven't you had kids? What's wrong with you? Eat the garlic. Have this, you know. Eat you know, something wrong with Habit you. Habit al-baraka. You know? Habit al-baraka. Oh, Allah, they would give me all these remedies. And you're, Why aren't you having kids? And, you know, we, we keep saying, well, you know, Allahu alim. It's, you know, what, all those sort of things. We're trying to write it off. But the, the simple fact is we couldn't have kids at that stage. We went to the doctors. They said, we, you have unexplained infertility. So this is where all the remedies, you know, garlic and, you know, um, you're not having enough, you know, what was it? Kibbeneye. <laughs> you know, the raw meat. Or, Eat the krush. <laughs> I was like, you know, you Aussie is a very weak, very weak sperm, you know. The lever sperm. Is it like a, what are you talking about? It's not like the sperm's got machine guns, you know, what are you talking about? They're good anyway, swimmers, man. They're good swimmers. So they're, 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 not, they're, they're not good swimmers. <laughs> They all sink. None of them can swim. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Uh, it's, a gen- it's a generalization. I've never seen the ocean. It's only 10 k's that way. Anyway, it's too long on a donkey, right? Come I'm going to get back for this. We'll tell you where you live. Don't worry. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, you know what? I did so many weddings. They all know I'm joking. Man. They all know I'm joking. Um, but subhanAllah, we did IVF for seven years. Seven years of IVF. And back then, when we're talking sort of almost 20 years ago, it was a vicious cycle, right? It was like they had to trigger menopause and then trigger puberty. Wow. We're not talking like these days, I think it's like a nasal spray or something. My wife was getting daily injections and she was going through all these crazy. Costly exercise. It was expensive. Um, It really took a toll on us, really took a toll on us to the point where after 10 years of marriage, we both had to make a decision, right? We got to this stage now. We haven't had kids. We've done this. We've had miscarriages, you know, really tough stuff, yeah. right? Allah. And we were thinking, why? Like, we're good people. You know, this idea, you can think to yourself, why That's would Allah do this to us or whatever? I understand now. Didn't understand then, right? But I understand now completely why, did the, why, why this was done. And I'm really grateful. Because if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be the father I am today. I wouldn't be, have the patience I have today. My, my kids can be the most biggest rat bags. And I'll just look at them. Alhamdulillah. You know, like, I'm so glad I've got you guys. Right? <laughs> you know, they're doing awful things. And that just breaks it up. Like they can't get angry because you're just sitting there just so happy with the blessing of these kids. Allah. So we, we got to the point where we both looked at each other and said, do you want to stay together, basically? You know, do we want to stay married? Not, oh, I still love you. You still love me. I remember having this conversation with you. Bro, it was the life. worst time of my life, right? It was probably the lowest point in my the life. The lowest point. The lowest yeah, point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was broken. I was yeah, absolutely I remember, broken. I remember having a good coffee with you. About yeah, this. I remember. I remember back then. Oh, and, and I got to the point where I said to my wife, and I said it with absolute certainty. I said, if you want, you do whatever you want. I'll sell everything. You just, just take it. I'll start again. I, don't, I just don't care anymore. I can't go through this. I can't watch you go through this. And it got to the point where it was just all about that. And it was depressing. It was consuming it was like, you. just ate us alive, you know? And I said, if you want to go, I'm going to have no hard feelings and make it really easy for you, right? But I can't do another cycle. I can't do this IVF. I've got to call it quits. So I call, I pulled the pin. And I thought I did it for her sake because I thought maybe she can have kids with someone else really easily. 
and not have to go through this, you know? You know, when you love someone so much, you're almost willing to just say, just go. Amen. I'd rather you be happy somewhere else. It was honestly thinking about now makes me upset, oh, right? Lord, Lord, Lord. And subhanAllah, we sat, she said, no, I want to stay married, right? She didn't say it straight away. Uh, <laughs> it took a little while. No, I think she had to think about it because, you know, her, the worst part is she's got a lot of sisters and they were all having kids and they're all younger. Yeah. Um, some of them are on their second And, and there's the pressure. And that's the, the Lebo family's pressure. You know, you got all these nieces. Yep. You don't have And I'm copping the, the Lebo. <laughs> this is much stronger than you shouldn't the, have the Aussie. The Aussie. <laughs> you shouldn't have married the Aussie. <laughs> you see, why we told you to marry a little Because it wasn't easy getting married either, by the oh, way. Yeah, uh, that's a whole other podcast. That's <laughs> a whole other podcast. Now it would be, I think. 25 years ago, oh, I was 27 because yeah, we got yeah, ma yeah. married. Um, like you were I met a pioneer. Two years you were before. a pioneer. Oh, bro, I was. When, when it comes and to the funny thing is, like, I'm born in New Zealand, right? Born in Christchurch. So it went around the community. That my wife's marrying a Maori. I'm marrying a New Zealander. Oh, Actually, wow. they said New Zealander. So everyone just assumed some massive, like, rugby league yeah. looking guy. Hey, bro, what's going on? You know, he's marrying this uh, Lebanese girl. So then when they saw me, because they all said, oh, he's six foot five, he's like two meters tall. He's this Maori guy, you know. Anyway, then I rock up, white, white boy, right? <laughs> New Zealander, what the hell? Um, but yeah, anyway, my wife came back and said, nah, you know, we basically thick and thin, you know, we, we got married and we put up with uh, the tough times just as much as we enjoy the good times. Four months later, four months later, four months, we found out we're pregnant for a month. So maybe three months later or whatever. Allah now we're pregnant and that hadn't happened before, right? We'd always needed IVF to get pregnant. Even though we'd lost them, miscarried, whatever, we'd gotten pregnant and we'd lost them. Four months later, natural. And I'm like, okay, okay, subhanAllah. All the way through that, I'm making dua, the most sincere dua you can imagine, right? Yeah. When times are tough, your dua is top yeah, notch, right? Yeah, yeah, Allah. <laughs> you will sit there for hours, your knees hurt, you got tears, <laughs> right? Normally when things are good, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, yeah, yalla, let's get out of here, right? <laughs> yeah, it's but that was sincere. And I remember the whole way through, every time I went to an ultrasound, my heart was in my throat, like they're going to have no heartbeat. It, just prepare yourself because we've been through that so much. Allah and this Akbar. was the most natural pregnancy, like, Everything was normal, within the normal range. Full term, came out oh. one or two days late. And, mate, I'm telling you, I'll never forget that moment. I'm holding my daughter, right? Mashallah, beautiful girl. She looked at me like this. Little frown, right? Little Lebanese, you know, <laughs> resting uh, frown what face. You, what, are you, what are you all happy about? <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I've even got a photo. I looked at it so much, I actually took because uh, I came from one wedding. I was actually doing weddings. I came from the wedding with all my camera gear because my wife – um. She had the baby when I was at a wedding. Oh, so wow. I had to leave the wedding. One of my cameramen came down and I went to the hospital with all my gear in the thing in the room while she's, uh, you know, but I was there for it, alhamdulillah. Um, it was a Lebanese wedding too. They didn't want me to leave. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going. There's no way I'm staying. My wife's having a baby. So we weren't sure when she was going to have it. You know what I mean? Um, and yeah, my daughter just looked at me and it was like, what's your problem? And then three and a half years later, my son came. As a, It wasn't that they weren't planned. It's just that we couldn't plan. You know, we didn't know if it was going to happen. And then we were like, maybe more are going to come, but that's what came. That's what was our oh, uh, we have a plan, so, yeah. And Allah's the best of planners. Allah's the best of planners. Now, those kids have grown up in a loving family with a mum and dad who've worked all their crap out because <laughs> they had that 10 years to, to basically see what's, you know, valuable and what's not, the things worth fighting over and the things not worth fighting over, the things worth, you know, um, just letting go of. And subhanAllah, they've grown up, I think, as very well-rounded individuals, you know, yeah, because they've seen us be very good with each other and we're polar opposites, my wife and I, like, I'm creative and think outside the box, lateral thinker. She's a concrete thinker, very organized. So yeah, she's we'll the one you. that will say, you're cooking dinner tonight. The ingredients are here. Right, I'll do it, right? But she's the one who organized. She's the backbone, you know? Allah. But just, just on that, Ruben, um, that process of really what took place was la hawala wa la illa billah. Really, that's what really took place Absolutely. in your life. And we all, we've all had moments where we say, I'm in the shit. Yeah, yeah. Nothing else can help me besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where you come to a realization that really nothing's in our control. Yeah. I think can you take Well that that's the point, right? So what what happened is it broke us to the point where we realized doesn't matter what the doctors say, doesn't matter the success rate, we're not in control. And so it it solidified in us the idea that we only have control of one thing and that's our intention and our reaction. How we process truly, something. true, true reaction. That's, true, that's it. True reaction that is in the it, heart. right? That's it. Everything else is in is in the hands of Allah. So you can drive down the road, and that's why you say Bismillah before you go, because you might not make it. You might not get to where you're going to go to, right? That might be your last drive, 
And so if you think like that, and as they say that if people who are sort of, I don't oh. say like be close to death, right? But we're going to die. Conscious, be conscious. Be conscious of, of uh, I think there's a particular word. I can't remember. Something multi, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like be comfortable in the, in the presence of death, basically, because yes. we're going to go. So remind yourself. Be in constant reminder of Allah because it can take you whenever, right? Amen. And if you're still here, then you've still got stuff to do. Amen. Right, and you're still trying to be your best version Amen. in the eyes Amen. of Allah. Allah's giving the opportunity, alhamdulillah. But that's it. Honestly, we are not in control. So all these people, Khabib said it best, right? You remember the, the the MMA fighter when he won against Conor McGregor? I think he gave a speech shortly afterwards because he retired. Like, what yeah. a legend, right? His dad passed away, Allah hamu, and he goes, "I'm done." He's not there for the cash. He's not there for the fame. He he had a mission. He trained. He was wrestling bears. <laughs> Like, came out of the mountains and then you got this Conor McGregor who represents everything that is terrible about capitalist society. I'm sure the guy's okay in real life, yeah. but, you know, he's pushing his alcohol brand. He's trying to fire up, you know, yeah, yeah. controversy, all this sort of stuff, all to sell tickets, right? Now, I know at some stage later in his life, he's going to look back at that as a silly time in his life. Yeah. He really will. I'm sure of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it's in the Echara, maybe, but hopefully it's in this life for him. Khabib came out afterwards and he said this speech. It's beautiful, right? He goes, for those who sit there and say, Success is because of my mindset. It's because of my hard work. It's because of this. It's because of this. It's because of who I surrounded myself with. He said, success comes from Allah. Because there's a lot of people out there who have the same mindset, who work even harder than you, and they're not getting the success that you Amen. got. So Allah's testing you. Like you said, you know, the, the idea that you've been chosen for that test. So what you do with it is very important. Yeah, 100%. Because it could have been the guy next to you or the girl next to you or whatever, right? So subhanAllah, you, you, you just have to realize that we're not in control. And when you do that, that's like... When someone says, when, when I first learned that the word of Islam is like submission, like submission in jiu-jitsu, I did jiu-jitsu for years. It's like you're choking someone out, right? <laughs> they tap, I'm done, right? I'm let, out. Let, leave, leave me alone. <laughs> submission doesn't mean that. Submission is relinquishing the control to your creator and, and being comfortable knowing you're going to be looked after. Yes. Like you're going to look after me. You're enough for me. You know, has to be Allah wa na'ma wa Allah is enough. I had that discussion this morning with somebody. And subhanAllah, you know, we were speaking about that. The word submission came up. And subhanAllah, it goes back to love. Mm. When you truly fall in love with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mm. when you are in love with somebody, truly love them from your heart. Yeah, like, it's reliance. Like your wife. It's, 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 yeah, it's in, beyond. You, you have, like, you know what I mean? Like, how much reliance do you have? Somebody that you love, you know, with everything. You, your guards are down. You trust them. You, you, you're letting go. You know yeah. they're, not, they're never going to hurt you. You know that they're never going to do right. the wrong thing by you. Yep, yep. And when you fall in love with Allah, you fall in love with Allah and understand who they are. That's submission. But the thing is, I think the English language doesn't do, no, just, doesn't do justice. Islam justice, no, right? No, no, because submission in English, it's, it's not what it means in Arabic, 100%. right? It's very different. It's reliance. It's yes. love. It's knowing that thing or person has your back, you know, yes, uh, knowing yes, that definitely. like if you sit there and, and everything's going wrong and you sit there and say, yeah, Allah, you know, I'm in your hands. W whatever you give me, I'm happy with it. Right? Can you imagine like being in that state? Now, bro, we were in that state. That is the first time since I became Muslim where I truly said it and meant it. I'm in your hands. Whatever Allah, you give me now, I'm happy with. If you don't give us kids, I'm happy. You've broken me. And he knows, and he he goes, knows right in your heart. Can have kids now. He knows what's in your heart that, That's amazing how you say that, you know. Finally, we all have moments like that where we, we, we it, you know, as they say, the penny drops or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you come to realisation that, that that's true faith. I've done my best. You've done your best and now. And, and the rest is up to Allah, right? You, you do your part. Halas. My, my saying it. is do your best and leave the rest. Yeah. Leave the rest. Yeah, that's perfect, right? It's perfect. Mm -hmm. But like, it, it's, I think it gets to a point too, like Hajj taught me, I think my wife, um, like people around me were worried that when I came back from Hajj, because I went to Hajj just with my brother-in-law. And um and Basha Huli and it was a whole bunch of bunch of guys that uh, sure. were mates, and she, she was a bit worried I'd come back like Yalla, stop eating emulsifier four seven six. That bread is from pigs, you know. Like, you know, like there was that kind of really that point when I was an early Muslim, right? <laughs> Where like you know cherry ripe has alcohol <laughs> and all these things. Now I'm not saying stay away from haram, right? Uh, uh, just, I'm, sorry, I'm not saying not to stay away from haram. Uh, I'm saying that like what Allah teaches you is that there's beyond those moments, like the, the the true sense of your you know purpose beyond the literal on, purpose, like, yeah, the ritual versus the spiritual but how to balance them all out, right? Yes. Some people focus so much on the ritual. 
Some people so much on the spiritual. They don't do anything. I don't pray, but Allah's in my heart. And other people, Allah, but during that, they're doing their shopping list, right? <laughs> so, so the idea is, and may Allah reward you all, right? Well, I mean, he's yeah. wondering why he's stepping on his toe. Right, or the guy next to him is doing this, and he's going, he should be just doing that, and then that. And like, you know, everyone argues over the, the silliest things, you know? SubhanAllah, that's your brother in Islam focus, praying next to you, man. Like, what are you stressing about? This guy's foot, the toes that way. What if he's had a foot injury? You know, like, I've had knee operations. I can't quite bend it that way anymore, right? Give the guy some slack. So the idea is that, like, you know, you, you have to... <laughs> And I've been through it all because even to this day, I walk into a mosque and say, brother, I show you how to pray. <laughs> thank you, brother. And I just say, thank you, brother. I don't say, brother, I've been Muslim for 27 years, mate. Beat it. Ruh. <laughs> I can think Arabic. Yeah, that's right. But this, the funny thing is, like, I'm, I'm still a new Muslim in people's eyes. Yeah, because it's the way, you know. But, you know, perception, I, perception. I look at myself before I became Muslim and I look at myself now and I say to myself, if I met me, my 18-year-old me or the 17-year-old me or whatever, the Jahiliya version of me, I would have thought, this guy's a lost case. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. That's <laughs> looking at me, not some other lost case. Me. <laughs> so if there's hope for me, subhanAllah, you know, like Allah really, Allah. everybody has the potential to be a better version of themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's motivation. It's what happens to them in their life. It's the things that they uh, come across. And what's really beautiful these days is we have so much more exposure. So people were afraid of Muslims. Now, you know, people are meeting Muslims, reading about Muslims, re- I'm seeing these crazy stories of, you know, UK beat cop who'd been a cop for 30 years yeah. and became Muslim because of he was, one day he was on the street where there's a little masjid. That's he just right. started talking to them. One guy went across to the mosque to blow it up. That's You've right. heard that story? In the US. In the US. US. He yeah. went across to blow it up. He was just going out to case the joint. <laughs> and then he went in and the sister was so beautiful to him that she invited him. In. He's like, man, these people are beautiful. He's the head of the mosque now. <laughs> he was going to blow it up. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Now, you know, like seriously, if there's hope for people like that who have that much hatred, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us more Muslims that are representative of it. Yeah, I mean, and just, you know, can bring people better people, bro. Just better people yes, in general, yes, you know, yes. because just being Muslim and saying la ilaha illallah, that's not enough. No, it's not. You've got it. Like, this is a way of life. You've got to fulfill your commitments, right? You've been given things that you got cash up front. You've got to pay it back. You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, my heart's beating. I can't stop it. My hair's growing. All right, it's gray, but it's growing. I can't stop it. There's a whole bunch of things that I'm being given ahead of time. I wake up every day. I've got to pay that back during the day. 100%. Do you know what I mean? So we're always in Allah's debt. Amen. 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 Allah, Allah, mashallah. What a, what a beautiful journey, you know, that you've taken us. And like you took us, I think, to the, one of the lowest moments, I think. Definitely my lowest moment, yeah. Can you take us to the sort of where did you truly, what, what was that day that you were, like, you truly felt successful? It was like, like that moment, you know, where you reflect on yourself and say, wow, I made it, I'm here. So what was, I, it, what was that? What was I'd that say I'd never, I've never felt like that, to be honest. I think um, I'm still a work in progress. Um, what I will say is there were things that I wanted that I got. And when I was there, I realized, wow, this isn't really what I thought it was. Wow. So I don't know whether or not to sort of say, so I'd say maybe my best moment is right now, right? Every day is my best moment Love because it. I've got another day to be the best, better version of myself. Whoops, better version of myself than I was yeah. yesterday. So, but if you're talking about kind of like dunya focused, like I've won some film awards where I had to pinch myself. I'm sitting in a, in a movie theater in America. They're playing my film. Everyone's applauding. And I get up and give a speech about this Hello, film, right? Yeah. And we won this award in America. And I remember that moment. And then, you know, like everyone's afterwards, you know, they're hugging you and they're, they're shaking your hand. And, oh my God, you're amazing. You're amazing. And that lasts about an hour or two. Yeah. And then you go home and the silence is deafening. You're sitting in the, in the hotel or whatever when we were over in America. And my wife's like, um, you know, can you pass me the pillow? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'd maybe just um, close the, turn the light off and the toilet's a bit bright. And Do you know who I am? Yeah, sorry, honey. <laughs> I'm an award-winning filmmaker. <laughs> you should talk to my people and then I'll get back to you at a time I choose, right? At my convenience. Like, <laughs> yalla, you're just a person, you know? <laughs> and I've won a number of awards since then and every single one of those has never felt again like that because I know this moment is fleeting. And Tom, Tom Hanks gave like a, a podcast with a whole bunch of actors, I think, Robert De Niro and all these kind of um, actors. And they sat there and he said, you know what I've learned? And he goes, the best thing I've ever learned is this too shall pass. And I was like, okay. And then he goes, so things are going really bad and the chips are down and you've lost something. You've done a bad movie. This too shall pass. And he goes, and things are going really good. And you've just won that award. This too shall pass. And the idea is true, right? It is, yes. And if you look at the, I mean, the queen died eight months ago, seven months ago. Bro, no one, I mean, I'm not going to say no one cares, but like that lady ran almost the entire world for decades in the 50s, 60s or whatever when she first got into power. 
she was, you know, the monarch for, was it seven years? Yeah. She did a jubilee. It was 70 years. And she's not even talked about now. She ran the world yeah. and no one cares within a year, six yeah. months. Now it's about Prince Charles and yeah. oh, and Harry and Meghan and whatever. If that doesn't tell you that it's fleeting, right? Like what are you going to leave behind? Really, like I said, my kids and, and hopefully what I teach them will then influence Inshallah, if we still <laughs> humankind last this long, Sorry. there'll be hundreds of generations. I don't know whether there will, um, but you've you've got a responsibility yeah, in there, and yeah, you've yeah. got you know. Subhanallah, one of the exercises I do with some of these um, kids when we're mentoring them, and we, we we get them to write down their you know their father's name and their grandfather's name. Get to the great grandfather. Yeah, and majority of they people are. they've lost they, 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 the third generation. They might have a first name because Ahmed or Muhammad has been it's passed on. Particularly in, in certain you know, cultures where it's, you know, junior yeah, or whatever. But yeah. then I ask him, do you know where they're buried? Do you know what they did? No fathom. And I say to him, the, the question I pose after that is, how long before you're forgotten? And the reality is with, yeah. the, with the stats that they have there is three generations or two. Bro, you'd be lucky with, if your kids tell their kids about exactly. it. Exactly. So right. then I say to them, how amazing that we still know who Adam is. Mm. I said, you can go up to an atheist and say to him, do you know who Adam is? He said, yeah, you idiots, you believe in him being the first man. But he knows who he is. Or Muhammad Salah yeah. I know exactly where he's he, buried. Do, do I, I know exactly when these, he these existed, These great right? exactly. people, Abu Bakr, Rahman, these people Anabal. that are still spoken about, they're not even two, three generations away. Yeah, yeah. But they've, they, they, their legacy is still, still on because, yeah, like incredible. you said, they gave so much to humanity. Because they are, were of benefit. And that's why, subhanAllah, humanity remembers them. Look, a beautiful brother, Ramsey. I'll, I'll plug him here. We He's a Ramsey, beautiful man. brother. Yeah, I'm catching Ramsey. up with him tonight. Um, Ramsey, I'll say it. I'll do a plug here. Man, he sells man, amazing man, rugs. Um, <laughs> half price. <laughs> uh, no, sorry. Yeah, that's man. a half price. <laughs> he doubles the price before they come in. No, no. Um, but subhanAllah, I remember him saying one thing that's always resonated with me. It's such a simple line. He goes, I just want to be the best I can possibly be in the eyes of Allah. Like, how simple is that? I just want to be the best. Version of myself in the eyes of Allah, yeah. not in anyone else's eyes. I don't yeah. care about anyone else, right? Yeah, yeah, and if people don't remember you, Ramses. who cares? Allah remembers you, and there's not an Adam's weight worth of intention that's not unnoticed. You know what I mean? Like it's what is it? I think they're saying the and the is it the ant or the Adam? An Adam's weight, I don't know. Yeah. But but essentially, everything you do is recorded. Yeah, yeah. and I'm being you know a cinematographer, right? <laughs> um, I say this to my kids all the time. I said, "What's your movie going to look like? What's your movie going to look like when it when it ends?" What are people going to say when they watch your movie? Are they going to like your movie? Are they going to be proud of you? Are they going to look up to you? Because our movies are all going to get played back. Everyone who ever existed. Adolf Hitler's going to see your movie. <laughs> the Queen's going to see your movie. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is going to see your movie. The best and the worst of humanity are going to see our movie, right? What do you want to leave behind? Because that's, that's true success. What movie do you leave behind? <laughs> I love that. It's Everyone brings a different perspective. Analogies, Allah, that suits their, their sort of yeah, their, their world. world. Yeah, their world, yeah. Well, well, well. It's amazing, but it's, it's all aligns at all. Mine's going to be sick. It's not like John Wick <laughs> drone shots, like you know, like all that through the bullet. You know, <laughs> not that there've been any bullets. Actually, there has been one, but that was just in America a few a few weeks ago when I did the rifle range. <laughs> Subhanallah. Thank, thank, thank you very much, uh, Allah Bishfi, Allah, for having me. Allah bless you. Allah. We've uh, immensely enjoyed this conversation. Uh, now, just finish it off, Inshallah. Uh, how uh, how are you moving forward through your success? Like, where, what, what can you share with us in regards to your like, vision? Something that's sort of a... Sure. Um, so f for me, like we talked about, I guess I got you up to the point where I'm sort of, what I've been doing for the last eight years is, is a lot of work for different companies that are, you know, people would say some of the best companies in the world. It doesn't matter who I work for, as long as they're doing something that I see is of benefit or at least not doing problems in the world this, or whatever. So, you know, some of it's automotive work or whatever. Yeah, okay, that's not necessarily a benefit. But then you could argue, you know, electric cars maybe. No, who knows? Um, so, Panala, I guess the, the, the message I would leave for anyone who's sort of thinking of doing something different, changing career, following their passions or whatever, just check your intentions first. Always make sure that what you're doing is aligned with, you know, um, your beliefs. Values. Make sure that, yeah, your values, your beliefs, your morals. Don't compromise for anybody. Don't do things for other people. I mean, do things for other people, but don't do it to look good in the eyes That's of other right. people. Um, and don't be afraid to fail. You know, like I've, I've stuffed things up. I've done things, you know, that I'll look back and go, oh my God, I can't believe I did it like that. I should have done this or whatever. But just, just be better every day than you were yesterday. And so for me, you know, I've got plans. I want to make the certain films I've got in different stages of script writing. And, nice. you know, I know some of them require some serious funding, but I think that will be, huge, um, you know, benefit. 
Inshallah, that's what I'm, I'm attempting to sort of work towards. So if I can save towards that and do that, or if I can get people on board who are happy to do it with me or whatever, great. But um, call this number on the screen for donations. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I want to get back to is like yeah. how can people support? Is there anything that they can look you up or anything like that? Oh, look, uh, look honestly, um, for me, I'm terrible at self-promotion. I don't put much on Instagram or Facebook. Or I don't think I even remember my Facebook password. I just have that little thing that says share to Facebook from Instagram. That's the only thing that I remember to do. Uh, I'm really terrible with that stuff, but I, I honestly, subhanAllah, I'm constantly blessed by the fact that the, the emails keep coming in. It used to be the phone would ring. Now it's an email and we still got work and, you know, that could stop tomorrow, right? COVID yeah. happened and, and I thought, oh, well, this is the end of my business, right? <laughs> and it just pivoted and we did different things and we did uh, stuff that we were allowed to do. We did a lot of um, medical work that we were allowed to go and yes. film, PPP. They were, uh, sorry, what is it? Um, protective uh, yeah. equipment, showing people how to don and doff, uh, you know, different uh, items and sanitize their hands and all stuff. And then we're doing little podcast things and we were doing Zoom calls with comedians. We did, you know, Nazim and Dave uh, Hughes and Peter Hellier got on and they were jumping into Zoom meetings with bosses and companies. It was great, right? And it was, and that time even then, as terrible as it was, provided me with like some real positives, apart from COVID positive test. Uh, (laughs) It was like, you know, positives being around our families much more, um, I guess, returning to very simple almost like a country lifestyle, yeah. you know, you would just go for a little walk, have your coffee, know, stay at home, make dinner. Yeah. SubhanAllah, you know, what a, what a perspective we were able to get. Can I just touch on, on something which, uh, which I know you do a lot of, uh, is, 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 is you give, you give your time, obviously a lot of communities, your services. Free sabirillah, brother. <laughs> Free Free sabirillah. It's like no, it's his no, business, no, brother, f- this is for Allah. <laughs> brother, you run a painting service. <laughs> <laughs> so can you just take us through that, mm. which is, a lot of the viewers don't understand mm. that the benefit true, of that work. Yeah, yeah. that benefit of that work. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what my mantra is: is that if there's something that I can see has a benefit for my soul in the echra, that's payment enough. I'll do that for that reason. I don't need to be paid for it, right? If I can see that those people can pay and I can make this my living, because obviously, if you did a lot of, that, I would love to just work for the Islamic community if I could make that a living, right? Unfortunately, um, our community is still growing, right? We're getting stronger from 25, 30 years ago when I first became Muslim to now, it's a very different landscape. You know, alhamdulillah, you guys got a podcast, right? This is unheard of 20, 30 years ago. You had to be a huge organization. You'd bring a speaker in from overseas. Do you remember all that sort of stuff? It was crazy, right? Now, how much more accessible is it? And I love the fact that people are starting, you know, all these creative um, organizations and things. Um, I forgot your question, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Just in relation to giving back. Oh, my work. Um, So subhanAllah, I would say, my, so some, I get a call, a school will say, we want you to come and give a talk. I think to myself, is this beneficial for my, my um, ekhara, for, you know, for, for me, for Sadaq Ajeria, or is it for my nafs? Am I doing it because I'm going to get up there and I'm going to look good? Yeah. Then if I answer, look, I, you know, I reckon I'll look really cool. To those, I can't do it, right? But I'm always returning to the fact that if this is something that's a benefit, because I don't, I don't love getting up and talking to people. Yeah, I love right. talking to people one-on-one. I'm a bit like you guys. Yeah. I like that one-on-one, you know, you can really see what someone's saying and you can really reach that one yeah. person. Yeah. And I'm, I like being on the back of these cameras, right? I don't like being in the front of them. Um, but if, if it's a benefit and Allah's going to be happy with me for it, and especially for my intention, I'll do it. Now, there's a time, and, and you guys have heard me say this, where I think I would be the worst person if I got famous because I got a taste of it. I got a small taste of it in Turkey. <laughs> I think I told you guys yes. the story. Uh, the podcast going way over, right? Yeah, but, but, right. But tell, tell us the story. The story is, right, I, I, if you look up on YouTube, Aussie, Muslim, revert, convert, Abu Bakr, Ruben, whatever, up comes my story. It's 20 minutes or something long. I gave a talk when I was about, thir- I think I was about 33. It's kind of that, that critical age, you know, that. <laughs> anyway, I gave a talk about how I became Muslim and it just like stopped there. And then uh, honestly, 10 or maybe eight years later, the internet got invented because <laughs> I'm from a different vintage. Um, and someone put it online. So I didn't put it online. And then someone came up to me in the mosque and it's you. And I went, okay, <laughs> like it's me. Great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. On TV. On, I think we used to say TV or, you know, on, on the computer. Well, not real. I don't think so. Right. And then we didn't have phones back then that you could do this. It was like, remember the Nokia's and the Ericsson's. Right? <laughs> so I had to go and find the, you know, this site and I looked it up. I had like a million views or something, right? Wow. And I was like, whoa. And this is, um, I think it was YouTube at the time. Yeah, YouTube. Just and and up, it yeah. was seriously a million views. And I freaked out. I was like, a million people sent this. I started reading the comments. And it was like people saying, I'm going to return to praying. And I was thinking, oh my God. Like, 
And I've always come back to that. Like if you do something, you don't know what the ripple effect it's I mean, going to have. Yeah, I mean. But conversely, you don't know the effect it's going to have on your nuts. Yeah. Wow. So you have to really check yourself, right? And so it got to the stage where it was getting pretty popular amongst the Melbourne community. So anytime I go to the mosque, brothers I didn't know want to take a, you know, photo. Selfie. No, it wasn't even selfies back then. I just, someone would actually hold a camera. And a little flash would go off. He had five flashes, you know. Old days, mate. Old days. Simple times. And subhanAllah, I found out from a Turkish mate, do you know the Prime Minister of Turkey has put this up on his MySpace page or whatever, some page. Come on. Translated into Turkish. Wow. I was like, come on, right? And it just so happens that my wife and I had planned this trip into Europe, right, where we went through Turkey. So I was joking with my wife and I'm going, honey, you know, like, I just go, you got to be careful in Turkey. I'm very famous, right? <laughs> I'm, I've got a following, you know, we might need some security. And she's like, ah, oh, shut up. You know, whatever, right? Wallahi, we get to Turkey. We go to the hotel. First hotel. First night we arrive, you know, you hand your passports to the hotel so they can identify you. The guy goes, listen, okay. Oh my God. <laughs> Starts freaking out, right? And I'm like, oh no, you know, my wife hasn't booked the thing properly. We've stuffed up. Something like that's going through my mind. It's you. He starts getting on the phone to the manager. Manager comes down. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They gave us the presidential suite. <laughs> we paid for, like, the crappiest. <laughs> we were tight-ass travelers, right? We paid for the crappiest. He gave us this crazy, like, you had, like, a lounge room and a balcony and a bed off to the side. It was crazy, right? They took us out for dinner. Everywhere we went, the people in the restaurant, we went down the bazaar. People were putting necklaces on my daughter. She was only, like, two at the time or three. Um, my wife, my wife's starting up. This is seriously, this is weird now, right? Bike, motorbike pulls up, skids, runs over, pulls the helmet up. Please, brother, I want to take a photo with you. Bro, it was unbelievable. Subhanallah, I was joking when I said well, I'm famous in Turkey, right? But subhanallah, I got a taste of what it's like to, to not know people, but they know you yeah. and they feel connected to you and you have no connection to them whatsoever. And I didn't like it. It felt so strange. And I know exactly what, you know, for a brief moment of my life, maybe it was only a week, I know what those people are going through. Now they're going through that. In droves, right? That's happening every minute of the day for them, right? Yeah. It is awful. It's awful. So I constantly remind myself of that moment. When anyone says, bro, you should give a talk. Bro, you should do this. I'm not going to do it for that. I'm going to do it for Fisa yeah, right? I'm going to do it for the sake of Allah. And if it's for the sake of Allah, you can't go wrong. If you do anything for the sake of Allah, and it's truly for that reason, you can't go wrong. wrong yeah. So my, my idea is to do that, to keep doing the work that I'm doing, make sure I only do work that I'm proud of, that my kids would look at me and say, my dad does all right, you know, does good work. <laughs> and and keep making a difference. Keep doing things that make a difference. Alhamdulillah. Allah Thank, Thank, Thank you for just Thank you very much. Allah Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful stories. Jamal yeah. Mubarak as well. Oh, nice, nice work, bro. And we're just in time by the looks of it. Jamal Mubarak. Thank you very much, Ruben. Thanks for sharing. We really appreciate uh, your honesty and you know, your beautiful stories. I think uh, they're Thanks, very touching. Bros. And that'll look, you've inspired us throughout the time, you know. Likewise, boys, likewise. And, uh, we've been very, blessed, you. very blessed to have you, brother. And I'll keep this relationship going. Inshallah. Please, guys, don't forget to like and share. Uh, of course, this guy's pretty famous, so undoubtedly you're going to cut it up and share it. Yeah? About 20 years ago. <laughs> 15 years ago. <laughs> we'll make it go viral again. Bye, local. Bye, local. Bye, local.